0: been a couple of weeks. You know, this is after the Levite or the concubine had le- left his, left her husband and went back home. And and the Levite, he shouldn't have had a concubine to start with. That's the second wife. But anyway, he went after her and he was bringing her back. And and he he, the servant says, let's spend the night in Jebus. But he said, no, we won't spend the night in a Gentile place. Let's go over into Gibeah. And they get to Gibeah and and uh, they. Uh, Sodomites gather around the house, and they want to force him, so he gives him them his concubine, and they molest her all night long, and she dies, and he takes her home and cuts her up in 12 pieces and sends a piece to every tribe in Israel. So that's the context. So that's where we're picking up. It says, <clears throat> Then all the children of Israel went out, and the congregation was gathered together as one man, from Dan even to Beersheba, with the land of Gilead unto the land of Mish- in the Lord, under the Lord in Mizpah, and the chief of all the people, even of all the tribes of Israel, pre- presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen that drew sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were going to, up to Mizpah. Then said the children of Israel, "Tell us how was this wickedness?" And the Levite, the husband of the woman, was slain, answered and said, I came unto Gibeah, that belongeth to Benjamin, and I and my concubine to lodge. And the men of Gibeah rose against me, and beset the house round about upon me by night, thought to have slain me and my concubine have they forced, that she is dead. And I took my concubine, and cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout all the country of the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. Behold, ye are all children of Israel, give here your advice and counsel." And all the people rose as one man, saying, We will not any of us go to his tent, and neither will any of us turn into his house. But now this shall be the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up by lot against it. We will take ten men of a hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred of a thousand, and a thousand of ten thousand, to fetch victual for the people. They may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin according to all the folly that they have wrought in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. And the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that is done among you? Now therefore deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death, and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves out of the cities unto Gibeah, to go out to battle against the children of Israel. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities 20 and 6,000 men that drew sword beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were 900, 900, uh, 700 chosen men. And then drop over to chapter 21, verse 25. <clears throat> and this is the problem, really, right here. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And every man did that which is right in his own eyes. The title of the message tonight is The Fruit of Doing Right in Our Own Eyes. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to look in your word. And Lord, there's much instruction here for us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be give heed to the instruction and the warnings that are given. Help us to realize that the flesh cannot please God. The flesh is corrupt and wicked, is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. So, Lord, help us to realize our need of Thee, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs says two times, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof, are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, Proverbs sixteen twenty There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. What we see here in the book of Judges, and we've seen throughout most of the book of Judges, and, and the, the overrunning theme of the book of Judges is, every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. We have people doing what seems right to them. And this, to me, tonight, in these two chapters, is the culmination or the fruit of all that. Now, <clears throat> they didn't get to this place just like that. It happened over a period of time. So, if we think about it, the fruit of doing right in our own eyes, first of all, we see the power of the progression of sin. And think about that progression. First of all, there is, first thing we, that I want to notice is the departure from God's chosen place of sacrifice. Now, keep your place here. Go over to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. I believe this is where it starts. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1. These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall serve to do in the land, which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it, all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods, upon the high mountains, upon the hills, and under every green tree. Ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars, and burn their groves of fire. Ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods, and destroy the names of them out of that place. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God, but unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put His name there; even unto His habitation shall you seek, and thither thou shalt thou come, and thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and your heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your freewill offerings and the firstlings of your herd and of your flocks, and there you shall eat before the Lord your God. And Ye shall rejoice in all that you put your hand unto, ye in your households, wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. For ye are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance, which the Lord your God giveth you. But when ye go over Jordan and dwell in the land, which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that you dwell in safety, then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there, thither shall you bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your manservants and your maidservants, and the Levite that is within your gates, forasmuch as he hath no part nor inheritance with you. Take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest. Excuse me, But in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes, there thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there thou shalt do all that I command thee. So the Lord very sternly and very strictly commands them that they're to destroy all. You know, the land is full of altars. The land is full of high places and groves where all these nations have worshipped the gods that they serve. And he said, you're to destroy all that. Get rid of all of it. There's only to be one place where you bring a sacrifice, where you make offerings, where you offer your tithes. I mean, you can eat. Everyday eating, you can eat anywhere you want to. But when you bring an offering or bring something or a vow on the Lord, there's only one place here to do it. And that's the place I choose. But you come to the book of Judges, they're in their land. They're not far removed from Joshua. In fact, it's already begun during the days of Joshua. They already started these kind of things. And, you know, Judges, in Judges chapter 8, you have Gideon made an ephod there of him, put it in his city, even in Ophrah. And all Israel went thither, whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon and his... House in chapter 17. We just uh, a couple weeks ago you had Micah in his house. Uh, He made has a house of gods and made an Ephim a Teraphim and he consecrated one of his sons and then he has a Levite join unto him and the Levite becomes his priest. This is in Mount Ephraim. Tabernacles in Shiloh. That's where God chose. It's in Shiloh. Now later it was moved to Jerusalem. Uh, and you come to chapter 18 and you have a whole tribe. Chapters 18, verse 30 and 31, it says, And children of Dan set up the graven image. And Jonathan, son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests. These weren't even Levites. To the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity. This continued all the way to the captivity. Of course, they set up Micah's graven image. Remember, they stole that from Micah, which he had made all the time. The house of God was in Shiloh. So here you have, you know, first you have, you know, the judge. And and then you have a house, Micah and his house and he and he got a levite and then this levite goes with the tribe of Dan and they set up their own worship in their tribe. All the while the house of God was in Shiloh. You know, he, of course you come to the New Testament, and God's given us the church where we're to worship and serve in his appointed place. He uh 1 Timothy 3:15 says That we ought to know, uh, but I have tarried long. Thou knowest, mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Go over to Hebrews chapter ten. Hebrews chapter ten. In Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-two. Hebrews ten twenty-two to through twenty-seven. It says. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, now you know I, I, I agree with with Brother Webb and mothers, that I believe Paul wrote this book, and I think he wrote it to the church at Jerusalem. And there were some that were falling away. You know what they were doing? They were forsaking the assembling of themselves together. You know, if we're going to draw near with a pure, true heart and full assurance of faith. We have to draw near by worship and service through God's appointed place. In fact, he goes on here and says, if we sin willfully, that word willfully has the idea, "Knowing you know what you're doing. It's a choice. It's presumptuous choice. And the. And the Old Testament reference here is to a man who picked up sticks on the Sabbath day. God had commanded them. They weren't to do anything on the Sabbath day. They weren't to pick up sticks on the Sabbath day. And so they found him and they brought him to Moses and said, Moses goes to the Lord and the Lord said, take him out and stone him. In other words, he willfully, presumptuously, he knew what he was doing. He didn't care what God's law said. He wanted to pick up sticks. And it says, "If we sin willfully, after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful for looking for a judgment and fire and indignation which shall devour the adversaries. If we reject that which we know is right, we sin willfully, there's only one thing: option left to the Lord, and that's judgment. Now. I believe that's what that passage teaches, and my experience has shown me that that is true. That's what happens. You know, this is, this is really, you know, this departure from God's chosen place of sacrifice and worship is a rejection, you might say, of the first table of the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but there's two parts, two tables in the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments have to do with our worship of God. And you know, you could you could put them in the categories. Jesus, you know, they asked Jesus, "What is the greatest commandment?" And his first one was, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind." That's the first and greatest commandment. Okay, the first four commandments could be summed up in that statement: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You know, have no have no idols, no no other no graven images, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, so worshiping God in his appointed place, appointed way. The second one, of course, is our second point. Not only there was a a departure from God's chosen place of worship and God's chosen uh, way of worship, but there was a departure then, and I believe this follows, a departure from morality. Judges 19, and I'm I'm not going to read it all. But Judges 19 to 21 tell us the the sordid story. Of the children of Israel's departure from all morality, they are committing things just like the nations they were to drive out. Look at, at, uh, for an uh, example, a shorter version or example of this, go to 2 Kings chapter 21. 2 Kings chapter 21. And here was a king. This is during the days of kings now. 2 Kings 21. And verses 1 through 9. And King Manasseh. Manasseh, by the way, was whose son? Huh? Hezekiah. Was Hezekiah, what kind of king was Hezekiah? He was a godly king. And here he has a son. Well, let's read about it. Manasseh was twelve years old when began to reign. He reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem. Too bad it wasn't shorter. His mother's name was Hepzibah, And he did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah's father had destroyed, and he reared up altars for Baal and made a grove as did Ahab king of Israel. And he worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And he built altars altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his son. You know, it just gets worse and worse. And he made his son pass through the fire and observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house, in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever? Neither will I make the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave to their fathers, only if they will observe to do according to all that I commanded them, and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they hearkened not, and Manasseh seduced them, seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. So you know, this sin, these sins, is departure from again from the second table of the law. It has to do with relationships between people. The second commandment is love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, if you're gonna love your neighbor, you're not gonna cover it. His house, his wife, you know, his boat, his rifle. <laughs> ah, you know, we're going on. But or you're not gonna steal from him, thou shalt not steal. And so this is departure you know, Manasseh Manasseh sacrificed his own son to the Canaanite god, Moloch, who was worshipped with burning of children. We've got people today sacrificing their children. They call it choice. Abortion. One commentator said this. He practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, consulted spiritists and mediums, Manasseh invited direct satanic influence by his approval and introduction of these occult arts. Asherah was the Canaanite goddess of fertility and worshipped through ritual prostitution. This means that Manasseh made the temple into an idolatrous brothel dedicated to Asherah. You know, and again, these are the kinds of things that they're doing in the book of Judges. Sodomy is active in Judges. God had already, long ago, instructed them about these things. But you know, when you depart from God's chosen place, you'll depart from his other commands too. Leviticus twenty thirteen: If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman... Both of them had committed abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. You know, he, he tells us what he thinks about it very early on. Genesis thirteen thirteen. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Look at Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18 for just a moment. Leviticus 18. 18. Verse 22 to 29. You know, this is before they go into the land. He's instructing them what's happening in the land and why the land is spewing out its inhabitants. And then he he tells them, look, if you do the same thing, the land's going to spew you out too. God's no respecter of persons. What he'll do for one, he'll do for another. What he does to one, he'll do to another. Leviticus 20 or 18, verse 22 says, "Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind; and it is an abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shalt a woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto; it is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you, and the land is defiled. Therefore do I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore." Keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. The land spew not you out also when you defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them, shall be cut off from among their people. See, God told them what they were supposed to do. If anybody would commit such act, they were to be cut off. Now, what does it mean to be cut off? Robert Jameson, in his commentary, James Fossbrand, said this, This is strong denunciatory language is applied to all the crimes specified in the chapter without distinction. Death is the punishment sternly denounced against all of them. No language could be more explicit or universal. None could be more strongly indicate intense loathing and abhorrence. So when God said they were to be cut off, that meant they were to be put to death. They were put to death. And it wasn't just sodomites. There's a whole list of him here. And for all these sins, that'll be put to death. And so, you know, this is, the, this is the fruit of the power or the progression of sin. You know, we need to be constantly on guard and aware of the power of sin. Matthew Henry said this, and I quote, A close and constant adherence to God's ordinances is, is the most effectual preservation from the effect infection of gross sin. The more we taste the sweetness and feel the power of the holy ordinances, the less inclination we shall have to the forbidden pleasures of sinners' abominable customs. It is the grace of God only that will secure us, and that grace is to be expected only in the use of the means of grace nor does God ever leave any to their own heart's lust till they have first left him and his institutions, Unquote. So really, you know, what he's saying is, and we see here is, you know, we don't, we don't go into this thing, these kind of things, until we leave him first. It kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with a missionary years ago. He was a missionary to Germany. I remember his name for a long time, but I can't remember it now. But anyway, it doesn't matter. This missionary said he had a personal friend, a close personal friend that was a missionary in Mexico who all of a sudden, he said out of the blue, left his wife, run off with another woman, moved to Kentucky or Tennessee or somewhere, and, and married this other woman. He said, just it kind of shocked me. Never thought But he said afterwards, talking to the man, he said this, he said, it kind of scared me. This is what the man said. It all started by skipping my devotions. It all started by skipping my devotions. That's what Henry's saying here. You see, there's a progression to sin. When When we leave... The first commands of God, we fall prey to the deception and gross sins of mankind. But to notice the second thing. We see the power of sin's deception. Now, first, we have the sin the progression of sin. But I want to notice the, the sin's deception. And two things here I want to mention, or I guess I got three. Uh, First of all, sin clouds logical judgment. It clouds logical judgment. Look at chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. It says, In chief of all the people, even of all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God. Notice, 400,000 footmen that drew swords. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were going to Mizpah. Then said the children of Israel, tell us how is this wickedness. And then drop down to verse 11. And it says, So all the men of Israel were gathered gathered against the city, knit together as one man. And the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribes of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that is done among you? Now therefore deliver us, the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren the children of Israel, but the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the city twenty and six thousand men that drew sword beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered seven hundred chosen men. So here you have, now is this logical sense you have twenty six thousand or twenty yeah twenty six thousand seven hundred against four hundred thousand, and that's all they had. They there's no reinforcements to go back to and get more if you know half of them are killed the first day of battle. That's all there is. You know they're outnumbered fifteen. 15 to 1. But i noticed something. When people, when dealing with people who don't have a heart for God, blood is thicker than water and they'll protect the wicked. They'll protect the wicked. But again, that's not the way it's supposed to be with God's people. It's not supposed to be that way. Look, let me give you a couple of examples. Go to go to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy 13 verse 6. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which thou hast not known, thou, nor thy fathers, namely of the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, or far off from thee, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shalt thou pity him, neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him, Thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. And thou shalt stone him with stones that he die, because he hath sought to thrust thee away from the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And all Israel shall hear in fear, and shall do no more any such wickedness as this among you. I said, you know, you're not to protect the wicked, even if it's of your own house. Remember in Mark chapter 3, Jesus was speaking to the multitudes, and someone said to him, Hey, your mother and your brethren outside seeketh thee. And he looked around about his disciples and said, Whosoever doeth the will of the Father is my mother and brother and sister. Now, the point he was making is found in Luke 14, verse 26, where it says, If any man come to me and hate not his father... And mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, he's not telling us, you know, we know from other scriptures that we're not supposed to hate our parents, and hate our children, or hate our wife. But the love for God is to be first and foremost. You know, again, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's the first table of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. And then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. The first commandment has to do with our, ver- our relationship with the Lord is vertical. The second has to do with our horizontal relationship with one another. By the way, if you understand what love is, you can't truly love somebody rightly if this relationship is not right. Because love does not protect sinners in their wickedness. Because to protect sinners in their wickedness is to enable sinners in their wickedness. We see that everywhere in our society. Many parents are enabling their wicked children. So it clouds logical judgment. They protected the wicked. They would go, and again, they would go against an army that outnumbers them 15 to 1. This is, again, this is not sense. This is not even common sense. You know, Jesus said in Luke 14, if you read on there, he talks about, you know, counting the costs. What what man will go, you know, an army will go against a, a king with 20,000 when he only has 10? So it clouds logical judgment. It causes, it also, you know, the deception of end causes reactionary decisions that can cause further damage. And we see that here, I believe, in this story, in this account. In chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the men of Israel had sworn, this is after the battle. But now the men of Israel had sworn, in fact, that they they but they made this before the battle. They had sworn in Mizpah when they got together, saying, There shall not any of us give his daughter unto Benjamin to wife. And the people came to the house of God and abode there till even before God, and lifted up their voices and wept sore, and said, O Lord God of Israel, why is this come to pass in Israel that there should be today one tribe lacking in Israel? Yeah. Here it is, they, 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 they made this vow that they would not give any of their daughters to Benjamin, and they've killed everybody in Benjamin but 600 men. So what's going to happen to Benjamin if they can't get any wives for the men that are left? He's going to become extinct. You know, in their anger, in their reaction, they, in their fury, they killed everyone. Now there's no women to marry. One commentator said this, quote, considering their anger against Benjamin, this probably seemed like the right thing to do. But this foolish oath had unforeseen consequences. Justice not only brings punishment to evildoers, but it also guards against punishment that is too harsh. So what they do, let's just add sin to sin. They go and kill all the people of Jabesh Gilead, except the young women that haven't known a man. And they find there 400 young virgins, and they give them to the Benjamites. And then there were still 200 left that didn't have wives, so you go steal a bride. Go chapter 21, verse 19. Uh, I guess this is where you get, you can steal a bride. Anyway, then they said, chapter 21, verse nine. Then they said, Behold, there is a feast of the Lord in Shiloh, a year in a place which is on the north side of Bethel, on the east side of the highway, that goeth up from Bethel to Shechem, and on the south of Lebanon. Therefore they commanded the children of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie and wait in the vineyards, and see. And behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance, and dances, then come ye out of the vineyards, and catch every man his wife of the daughters of Shiloh, and go to the land of Benjamin. And it shall be when their fathers or their brethren come unto us to complain that we will say unto you, unto them, be favorable unto them for our sakes, because we reserved to each man his wife in the war, for he did not give unto them at this time that ye should be guilty. And the children of Benjamin did so and took them wives according to their number. So, so you know, let's steal a bride. So, you know, sin, the deception of sin causes reactionary decisions. It also our sin does affect others. Look at, again, chapter 21, or chapter 20, verse uh, 21. Uh, says, And the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground of the Israelites that day, 20 and 2,000. So this is the first day of battle. Verse 25 is the second day of battle. And Benjamin went forth. Against him out of Gibeon, a second day destroyed, down to the ground of the children of Israel. Again, 18,000 men, all these drew sword. Verse 46 says, So all that which fell that day of Benjamin, this is the third day of battle, fell that day of Benjamin, were 20 and 5,000 men that drew sword. All these were men of valor. Now, really, in reality, who should have died? Who should have died? The Gibeonites. The Gibeonites, if, if things would have done right, as God commands, those Gibeonites would have been put to death. That would have been the end of the story. But no. You see, again, you let. they shouldn't have ever been to this place. They were a long ways from obeying the Lord to start with and when you let sin go when it is finally dealt with or judged then it's widespread judgment and that's what you have here you have 40,000 soldiers of Israel dead you have a concubine that's dead you have 40,000 Israelites dead you have twenty five thousand Benjamites dead, and then you have on top of that the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead. They killed them so they could get their four hundred young virgins. See, sin left go does affect others. You know, we have many examples of this in the Bible. You know, Egypt, Abraham went down into Egypt, picked up Hagar. Out of Hagar, we have Ishmael, Achan. Not only Achan died, but there were some brethren that died in battle against Ai because of Achan's sin in his house. Hophni and Phinehas. Now, Hophni and Phinehas were wicked before the Lord. And 1 Samuel 2.17 says this, Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. I mean, people in the days of Hophni and Phinehas hated bringing their offerings to the Lord's house because of their wickedness. Now you think of David's sin with Bathsheba, yeah, as a result of that, one of his mighty men, Uriah the Hittite, he had put to death. Child was dead, two sons were dead, twenty thousand men died in the civil war. The power of sin's deception. But to notice the third thing, we do see the grace of God here. You might say, where? Well, chapter 21, verse 23 and 24 says, And the children of Benjamin did so, and took them wives according to their number. Of them that danced, whom they caught, and they went and returned unto their inheritance, and repaired the cities and dwelt in them. And the children of Israel departed thence. At that time, every man to his tribe, to his family. They went out thence, every man to his inheritance. So, you know, despite the fact of this, Terrible wickedness and the terrible war and destruction that comes as a result of it, God's still gracious. a tribe was not destroyed. you know the sin of Israel was very grievous sixty five thousand dead. You know the Bible doesn't say that that was God's judgment on his people, but it seems to indicate to me that at least that's what I would say it indicates we do know. From the New Testament, Romans 6.23 says what? The wages of sin is death. Now, in context, you know who that's talking to? Christian people. Christian people. Sin, no matter where it is or by whom it's committed, brings suffering and destruction. You know, sin is man's rebellion against God. 1 John 3, 4 says, Whosoever commits sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. But, but thank the Lord, where sin abided, grace did much more abound. You know, God is always gracious. God did not, you know, even here, you know, he made a promise to Israel, and he's going to keep that promise. He's got to keep that promise. And he got to keep that promise to us. But as we conclude this, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter eight. Verse 11 through 13 says this. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Let me just stop right there and say something. You know, again, the children of Israel should never have been in this place to start with. It's all started with them departing from the place of God's choosing. There shouldn't have been sodomites in the land. God explicitly told them about those things and warned them about that. Anyway, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked. Neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not God. You know, in the last verse of our text, you know, is, again, the summary and the theme of the book. There was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You know, I read a verse from Proverbs this morning that says, A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. A child of God left to himself will bring his heavenly father to shame. These people were left to themselves. Well, I shouldn't say they were left to themselves. They left God. They left the law of God. They turned to themselves. They made their own laws they departed from God's laws. And like I said this morning, when you when you go down that road of sin, there's no there's a constant change. You continue to change what you think's right and what you think's wrong. And that's what they did. So we must not adopt the attitude Of what Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 says, There is a way that seemeth right. We must not hold to things that we think are right. We must hold to things that God says are right. We must obey his word. Remember, Jesus said there is one that judges. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge me, judge you in that day. We're going to have to give account to God. And his word. And we need to realize. That if I go my own way. And do my own thing. Oh I may never be a sodomite. But it could end up there. We have no way of knowing. Where I could end up. If I just do my own thing. My own way. And leave God out. I'm sure these people would have never thought they'd end up here, but they did. You know, I know people that have said a lot of things that they never do, but they're doing. Because they've left God out of their life. And they've chosen to go their own way. And do their own thing. You know this is a warning to us. That this is the fruit. Of doing right. In our own eyes. Might God help us. To do as Matthew Henry said. To continue. To not leave. God's institutions. To not leave his word. And his instruction. Hold fast. Hold fast, he told the church of Philadelphia. Hold fast. That's hold fast to his word. Our lives depend upon.